It is Friday morning. It is time as well to check in with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. We were talking about the difference, I suppose, of opinion, we could say, the B.C. budget surplus and what the Auditor General was saying about that. Uh, we spoke with Michael Pickup uh, earlier on the show. Uh, you're, you uh, are talking about that today as well. Yeah, so there's a long-standing dispute about how to interpret accounting standards involving the B.C. government and the independent Auditor General. It goes back a dozen years. It's been going on, and every year when the government closes the books, it's called public accounts, on the financial year just ended, so that's the one that ended March 31st of this year. goes back to 2021. Every year when the books are closed, the Auditor General comes along and says, no, 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 no. The government's got it wrong. The Auditor General says, I'm going to put a reservation on the books, qualification, saying the deficit, the, the state of the books, the state of provincial finances, is not what the province says it is. That's a, it's, it sounds like a serious matter, but it's actually a dispute over how the books should be presented, how, how the accounting should be presented. So this year... Jill, the difference of opinion is enormous. The province says the year ended with a surplus of $1.3 billion. The Auditor General says, no, no, no. The year ended with a surplus of $6.5 billion. That's, like, that's real money. That's a big yeah. difference. But, but here's the thing. It, the Auditor General is not saying the province has $6.5 billion more to spend this year than it says it does, because I think for the public, surplus means cash on hand. It doesn't mean a hell of a lot else, right? It, it, it's not an accounting issue. It's, uh, uh, it's money. So I, every time we go through this, and as I said, I've been covering it for a dozen years, every year you just kind of roll your eyes and go, what are you supposed to say to the public about this? It's a dispute over accounting standards. It's a, it's a, it really is an argument among accountants because the government has its own internal chief accountant called the Comptroller General who every year says, no, 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 that's not the way the money should be reported this is the way the money should be reported. And what they're really arguing about is what, how the province should report a commitment from the federal government. So, you know, when John Horgan and Justin Trudeau have an event out here and Trudeau says we're going to provide the province with hundreds of millions of dollars for child care over, you know, so many years going forward. We all know Ottawa pays its bills, so the money is coming in, but the province says... We can't spend that money any way other than what Ottawa says because it's got strings attached. And the province also says that some of that money won't be coming for years. So why should we treat it like a surplus, like cash on hand? We should book it as a liability, something that's coming down the road, something that will be squared up when the federal check finally arrives. But in the meantime, we're not going to pretend that it's a cash surplus. The Auditor General says the opposite. You should pretend like it's a surplus because it's coming one of these days. <laughs> right. And, and looking at uh, the Auditor General's report on this or his concerns, uh, and we, when we talked about it with him, there was those three departures, he says, yeah. from generally accepted accounting principles. Uh, does it really matter, though, to, to taxpayers, it, to residents of B.C.? 
Well, it does sometimes because sometimes the I mean, first of all, often the auditor general is right. The provincial government isn't reporting things straight and isn't squaring up the books the way it should. And we've had these kind of arguments over the years. Um, and I'll give you one example, which I think is an example of where the auditor general in BC got it right. Uh, every year, the provincial government puts up sale of drilling rights, uh, mostly in the Northeast, drilling, rights to drill for natural gas. And in good years in the province, those rights sell for a lot of money, hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes. And it's cash from the company that buys the drilling rights, and it goes to the provincial treasury. So the Auditor General in BC said, you shouldn't treat that like a bucket of cash that arrived today because the drilling rights will be exercised over eight or nine years. So the Auditor General of BC some years ago said, spread the payment out over eight or nine years because that's really when it's being exercised. And the Auditor General said, Jill, that if you do that, when you have a bad year, um, you'll still have some money left over from the good year. So it kind of sounds to me like a politically responsible thing to do. The Auditor General in Alberta sees it completely different. The Auditor General in Alberta says, no, 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 it's cash windfall. You got it this year, spend it this year. And in fact, at one point, the Auditor General of Alberta said BC's getting it wrong. So I asked Michael Pickup yesterday, I said, does every other province in the country, do all the other Auditors General see this issue of the surplus the way you do? And he declined to answer that question. So accountants with the best of intentions, even big, important, powerful ones that are independent and at the top of the heap, sometimes disagree over the presentation of the accounts. And in this case, Jill, I think the message that ought to go to the public is decide whichever group of accountants you want, but don't be led to thinking that the provincial government has $6.5 billion on hand that it can just spend right now because it's called a surplus. All right. So that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Let's uh, talk as well uh, some more fallout or certainly people still talking about uh, the verbal uh, assaults on Christian Freeland. Yeah. yeah and, our, and our colleague uh, Rob Shaw, who's been filling in for me on the show, did something interesting this week, which is, you know, he went to the leaders of all three B.C. political parties in the legislature. So Sonia Furstenau of the Greens, John Horgan of the NDP, and Kevin Falcon of the Liberals. And, he, and, and Shaw asked them, like, what impact is these kind of threats and toxicity and abuse having on your parties? And all three leaders said the same thing, Jill. They said it's making it harder to recruit and attract candidates. People from outside the system... You want to increase the diversity of your nominations. You want to renew your political party. But, you know, people out there are picking up on this. They're looking at what happened with Freeland. They're looking at what's happened elsewhere. And they're all going, do I really want to get into this? Like, do I really want to run for office and open myself up to that kind of abuse? And all three leaders, Horgan, Furstenau, and Falcon, said it is making it harder to attract candidates. I like what Rob did here, Jill, because often you hear these things reported and it's happened to one person in one party and everybody goes, okay, well, you know, that's terrible and that shouldn't be directed at that party. But the, the message here is that all parties are dealing with this 
the abuse out there isn't confined to one place on the political spectrum. It's coming from all directions, and it is real. It is really disturbing. Magnified, Jill, as we know, by social media. You know, the, the kind of people used to shout threats in public meetings or wander around the legislature building with a sandwich board complaining. They've now got an audience all over the world, thanks to social media. Oh, absolutely. I also think, too, that obviously what happened to Christian Freeland should not have happened and it needs to be called out. But I also think that we don't get the same reaction depending on the politician. And and it's fine if you don't agree with a politician, if you don't vote for them. But conservative politicians also get attacked and it doesn't feel like the response is as urgent or is as uh, empathetic as we're seeing, especially in this case with Christian Freeland. Uh, I I think there's some truth to that. I would note that one of the first people to come out and say what happened with Freeland was unacceptable was Kevin Falcon, the leader of the B.C. Liberals. And I noticed Shirley Bond as well got in on that one. So so they know what it's like because they're in the front lines. Here in B.C., uh, Mike Bernier, liberal MLA for the Peace River country, was threatened so strongly during the pandemic uh, that, because he supported vaccination mandates, uh, the RCMP told him not to go to a public meeting outside his own constituency office. Bernier, to his credit, went anyway, right, and, and said, here I am. But uh, Sonia, first to know the Greens, right? I mean, the Greens, they're kind of harmless. Hey, why would anybody be threatening them? Well, I gather she had to move her constituency office here on the island because uh, the office was in a, a, a mall, a small strip mall, and the other offices in the mall were, were fed up with protesters showing up at, outside uh, First in those offices and shouting at her. Uh, we know uh, that Ravi Kalon, NDP cabinet minister, one of the reasons he decided that this isn't the time he wants to seek the NDP leadership is because his own spouse was concerned about what happens to people who become premier. Protesters show up on their front lawn. Happened to Christy Clark, happened to Gordon Campbell, happened to John Horgan. So, it, it you know, the toxicity is real, but people shouldn't kid themselves that it's just confined to their political opponents. It's happening all across the political spectrum. And worse, Jill, I think it's feeding on itself, right? I think, mm. oh, well, we've got to pay them back for that, right? I mean, it really is disturbing. It's real. And you know as well that it's spilling over into our business, that, uh, that our colleagues are, are especially uh, people who have to work on site at events, and I'm lucky that I don't, uh, are getting it as well. Yes, and uh, well, well, we will keep talking about this uh, and hopefully uh, getting uh, getting more attention to it. Vaughn, we are right out of time, but thank great. you so much. It was great chatting with you for these past two weeks. It was very good, and we'll uh, I expect do this again because I'm sure Simi will get a holiday someday again <laughs> in the future. I think so. All right, thanks, Vaughn. That is Vaughn Palmer, Vancouver Sun columnist.